In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. One of the great mysteries in life to me is <clears throat> how many people there are who champion the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount as though he just tiptoed through the tulips of Galilee, throwing out all these nice little sweet platitudes. It's like, read the Sermon on the Mount. How many, please don't raise your hand, <laughs> who has ever told a blonde joke? The first thing that Jesus says about when you call somebody raka is you call them a blonde. You call them empty-headed. Or who's ever said, you moron? That's literally the word that Jesus says. We'll send you to Gehenna. Gehenna is, is the, the Hinnom Valley on the west side of Jerusalem, opposite the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the trash heap where you throw your trash and it would get burned. Hello? Who's ever had a pornography fantasy? Please don't raise your hand. Or who's ever had a romance novel fantasy? Who's been divorced or done what should have resulted in divorce? Ever cheat on a final exam? Fudge a resume? Fudge a tax return? The first thing that we should notice about this sweep of you've heard it said but I say is there's not one of us who somewhere along the way hasn't blown it. And something to be reminded of is we've already been introduced to this Jesus in Matthew whose name means Yahweh saves because he came to save us from our sins. And Matthew is the one gospel writer who at the table has Jesus saying, not just that this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out, but that it's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So we all start at the same place. We've all messed up somewhere along the line here. And God wants you to know in the first place that he can handle it. The second thing is, in a brief meditation, there's no way to speak to all the exceptions, all the nuances, all the particular situations that we find ourselves in. Are you really supposed to cut off body parts? Even though some people who should have known better did, the answer there is no. Do you owe the truth to Nazi soldiers? when they knock on your door and ask you, are you hiding Jews? No. Does Jesus say that divorce is a possible option in the face of adultery? And does Paul say that divorce is a possible option when a non-believer no longer wants to be married to you? Yes although I would submit not without a lot of conversation first. And are you condemned if you agree to put your hand on a Bible and say, so help me God? No. So, first, we're all failures. God can handle it. Two, 
can't say everything that could be said. Then third, I want you to think about the contrast between what's happening in the you've heard it said and the but I say to you. Third, all that you've heard it said represent a downsizing of God's vision for the flourishing life. And all the but I say to you represent God's expanded vision of what it is to flourish in Jesus. That you've heard it said are the world's concessions to that's just the way it is. You've heard that all God cares about is murder. But I say to you means God cares about what you do to people in your heart and with your tongue. God cares about the living Gehenna, the living burning garbage heap that you descend into when you become the type of person who walks around saying, you idiot, you moron. You've heard that all God cares about is that you don't actually go all the way with somebody you're not married to. But when Jesus says, but I say to you, he's telling us that God is grieved when we allow sex to be anything but the means of drawing closer to the person to whom I'm married. And it grieves him when you or I look around and all we have in front of us is a fog of lust that keeps us from seeing the actual, and, the actual wonder and beauty of the people around us. You've heard there's always a back door to marriage. I say, no, there's not. Work it out. You've heard there are ways to cross your fingers even when you sound really, really sincere. Just don't actually bring the big guy into it. Then you might be in trouble. But I say, just tell the truth. It will always come out eventually anyway. And as Jesus says in John 8, 32, the truth will set you free. Fourth, we need to read the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of the good news that Jesus has come to bring and that Matthew wants us to know about. What does God with us mean for us? What did God do with his own anger over our rebellion? Go, done with them, smash them like a bug. No, he took it to the cross. And there Jesus bore the weight of the wrath against sin. What did God do with our choosing other arms to find satisfaction in besides his? What did he do when he found us clinging to other lovers, whether it's success or money, another person, ourselves, even if we pretended to continue to love and worship him? He just blew right through it and said, no, 
you're mine. I'm coming after you. I love you too much to leave you to them. What about those of us who grew up with the faith and then tossed it? Did he just let you go, divorce you, send you away with a writ of of divorce? No. You're here not because you're that clever. You're here because he ultimately wouldn't let you walk away. Because he came after you and just drew you back. And when it comes to keeping your word, what did God do with his promises to Adam and Eve that they would have an offspring who would strike the serpent's head? To Abraham and Sarah, to Noah that there would be a rainbow to promise, never again destruction like that. To Abraham and Sarah, a nation through whom they would bless all the nations. To Moses, rescue. To Joshua, courage and conquest. To Gomer's children, with Hosea as father. New names, not my people, becoming my people. Not love, becoming loved. Not married, becoming married. To Jeremiah, that my people will have a new covenant with the law written upon their hearts. To Joseph, God with us. To Mary, a royal son, even the son of God. God has skin in the game. Because he wouldn't let us go the way of, but you've heard it said. Not only did Jesus come and say, but I say to you, he came and said, I am with you. I am for you. And so finally, fifth, where do we go from here? Call your attention to the last verse in today's reading from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Choose life that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and the NRSV has, and hold fast to him. It's the Hebrew devak, and it's the same word that, that Moses uses in Genesis 2 when Adam sees Eve and says, oh, awesome God, that's a rough translation, and the passage says the man will leave his mother and father and will devock to her, will cling to her, will embrace her and hold her close. And it's a word that then goes, gets used for like the equivalent back then of cement, a bonding material. He would cling to her. Now we're told because God is our great husband who has come after us, cling to him. The message has firmly embrace him. Wycliffe translated that you may cleave to him. So, in clinging to him, maybe there are apologies that you can tender, restitution that you can make, truth fudgings you can make right. Where there's been hurt on one side or the other, there may be an embrace and the peace of Christ that you can offer.
And then again, there may be things you know that in this life you cannot make right. Hurt you can't make go away. Peace, people who will always be aggrieved. People who will only give you crocodile tears and hurt you again if you allow them. Here's what you can do. You can bring your own fine self with empty hands, and in your heart and your mind, you can bring them to this altar, and you can say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, have mercy on them, and you can receive the bread and wine of forgiveness. And you can choose life and cling to him with all your might, knowing that he's clinging more tightly. And I, there are so many situations, so many possibilities, so many ways of possibly having messed up. I couldn't cover them all. I simply want to invite you to some dinner conversations with questions like this. In a world consumed with rage, how can I be salt? In a world where marital boundaries are constantly being transgressed, where beautiful people are being reduced to disposable playthings, how can I respect boundaries and value every person that I meet? In a world in which truth is more and more a matter of convenience, how can I reflect a God who gives his word and keeps it. May his truth set you free today. You do not have to accept terms. You do not have to accept life on the terms of a world that's made its cheap accommodation with anger, with adultery, with broken promises, with lust. May this truth set you free today. You can flourish in the care of the one who says, I have taken all the anger into myself, and I have buried it on the cross. I have married you to myself with an inextinguishable love, and I have pledged myself to you forever. And I will not fudge on my promises. And now, you go out there and be me to the world. To him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even think to ask. To him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever. Amen.